So let's jump into this message today. So for those of you who may be new, we have been on a series walking through the Lord's Prayer since the beginning of January. Yes, it has been wonderful. This, is, this has been a series uh, that has kind of grown on us. And as Pastor Jade got into the preparation, he just we just kept feeling together uh, like there were some more things that needed to be said. But I will tell you, at the end of August, we will be done with this series. So today, we are going to be picking up with As We Forgive Those Who Have Sinned Against Us. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Dan preached a message uh, on the first half of that phrase, forgive us our sins. And so a couple of things in recap, and then I will, I will bring our guests to the stage and I'll introduce what we're doing. But just to to get our minds on the right track, two weeks ago, Pastor Dan preached a message on forgiveness and how the Lord has chosen to forgive us. And the prayer of forgiveness, first off, just like everything else in the Lord's Prayer, is a plural prayer. Forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So we are praying as a church family that the Lord would give forgiveness to us as we as a people choose to forgive those who sin against us. He also made mention that God has already forgiven us in general, that God's ultimate act of forgiveness is Jesus on the cross dying, saying, Father, forgive them, specifically them, but also all of them, for they know not what they do. So God has already forgiven us in general, but also, as we will learn more today, God forgives us specifically each time that we act in accordance to our sinful nature and according to the flesh. That God has already covered our sin, but there is still yet a specific, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you on a regular basis that is available for his people. And lastly, that forgiveness is also tied to the prayer of daily bread. And as I just mentioned, that it is a daily thing. Forgiveness is not a one-time thing where the slate is wiped clean. I wish I were that good of a Christian to just live with my clean slate every day. But forgiveness, just as eating, is a thing that not only we need to do because we sin, but we need to be forgiven. That that is good for us. It is humbling for us as a people. It shapes us when we hear from our Heavenly Father that we are forgiven. So today, as we jump into the second half here, I would like to invite Dr. Jim and Miss Val Bixler to the stage, if you guys would come. All right, so you may be wondering why we are doing this as a trio, and I have a wonderful answer for our Antioch body. Many of you probably know them much better than I do. Uh, Bonnie and I are still relatively new here, but Dr. Jim has just finished his doctorate of psychology, and his emphasis on his dissertation was studying forgiveness in the body of Christ and all of the effects there. So they are, go- and they run a ministry together called Living Oaks Restoration and Discipleship Ministry. Um, they are highly qualified to talk about forgiveness. So uh, this morning, I would like to welcome you to the stage, and I would like to say that I am honored to do this. And my job is the hard job of asking the questions that pull the brilliance out of them, okay? <laughs> it is so, hard. It, it is, is hard. It's a hard, yeah, yeah. It's not hard because there's not brilliance. It's hard 
because I have to know what to pull. And, and so let us pray just before we jump into the material. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us together and that he would equip our minds. So, Lord, we, we bless you and we recognize that your spirit is already among us. God, we thank you that you have taken the first step by forgiving us. And that you have shown us what the Jesus way is and what it looks like to forgive rather than to hold on to and to seek vengeance and retribution. But you have chosen to show us what pure love and forgiveness look like. And I ask that this morning that you would shine your light on those things this morning. I pray that over every heart and every mind in this place, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move and move freely that you would give me the questions and give the Bixlers the responses. Lord, would you quicken our hearts, quicken our minds, and be in this place. Be thick in this place. Be in our minds, Jesus. We need you, and we welcome your work in this place, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we ask all these things. Amen. 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 Okay, so just a couple of thoughts to get us kick-started here. Um, As I was reading through, I'm going to turn just so I can see you a little better. As I was reading through the Lord's Prayer again, uh, I realized one thing, that the prayer for us to be forgiven as we forgive is the only thing in the Lord's Prayer that is actually asked of us to do. It's the only thing that where the onus, the responsibility is on the people. And so there is something important that we're going to draw out of today because as a people, we have a responsibility to respond. And the information that goes for today, this is, there will be a lot of wonderful things said, but ultimately this is us as a people pursuing healing by means of forgiveness together. This is not us just trying to understand. We are pursuing healing together because this is one of the many ways that God's will is done and his kingdom comes when we forgive. So with that said, I would like to start off with with our first question being about uh, learning to identify unforgiveness in our lives. Um, And I would like to caution you to refrain from adding in the lives of other people, (laughs) in the rest of all that we talk about today, it is going to be really, really easy to identify these things as needs in the lives of other people. But I want to challenge you (laughs) as I challenge myself, right? I want to challenge you, first of all, let the Holy Spirit and let them do that. They do this professionally, okay? I want to challenge you to focus as much as is possible on yourself because you may not think that you have unforgiveness in your heart, and there may be something that the Lord wants to address this morning. So there is my challenge to you. So would one of you guys like to speak to how can we learn to identify what unforgiveness looks like in our own lives? Um, <laughs> some of us are, we, we don't listen to all of the messengers that God places within us. Sometimes we don't listen to our body. You carry unforgiveness in your body. And if you're not aware of what's going on within you, you may say, oh, I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm not angry. Uh, Haven't you ever observed people and you say, you seem angry. And they say, oh, no, I'm I'm not angry. (laughs) Not me. Um, There are several evidences 
when we are carrying unforgiveness. One thing is that you ruminate about people or an action. What do I mean by that? You think about that person. You think about what happened over and over and over again. That is very clear evidence that you have not forgiven. And uh, some of the things I've learned about forgiveness, while we as Christians, we hold to the value of forgiveness, but in studies that have been done, what we found is that Christians are no more forgiving in their behavior than people who don't hold on to the value at all. So part of it is, first of all, being aware of yourself. When you're in the presence of somebody and you feel there's something you're holding, something that they've done or failed to do. Or someone else has done. That offended you. And unless, unless we on purpose, intentionally make a decision and do a, uh, a process of letting go of that event, of letting go of that hurt, then we will continue to carry it with us. Have you ever noticed that when you carry something heavy, if you carry it for a long time, you kind of adjust to the weight of it and you don't notice how heavy it is until you let go of it, until you put it down. Those of you who were in the military and had to do rucksack marches, you know, you go for 12 miles and after a while you, you, you're uncomfortable, yeah, but you didn't notice all the weight until you took off the rucksack. For many of us, we get used to the things where we've been offended by. We may not uh, think, well, I don't think about that very often. You also may not listen to the message that God has placed in you of your feelings. Many of us just listen with half of our brain. We listen to all the logic, but we don't listen to what the other side of our brain is telling us. It hurts to remember being hurt. And so most of us try not to be hurt, and so we push all of that stuff down. We... Uh, we don't pay attention to the message God is trying to tell us through our body, through our feelings, through our thoughts. We can't just say, well, time will take care of it all. No, it won't. It has to be time plus something. And forgiveness is a huge gift that God has given, not just that he forgives us, but it's a huge gift he's given so that we can let go of the hurt, the anger that we carry in regards to what other people have done. We could tell you lots of stories. Um, I think of one man who had come to see me. He was in the military. He had had an affair with a, a person who worked with him. And this was just completely out of the blue. It seemed so uncharacteristic of him, according to his, his wife. They had two children, a little boy that was uh, the oldest, and then a little girl. And I was just trying to get to know a little bit more about them. And I said, tell me about your family. And he said, well, 
my dad was a philanderer. He was a womanizer. I said, how did you know that? He said, well, I can remember my dad taking me to one of his girlfriend's house. And while they were inside having sex, you know, I was outside. And when he came out, he said, uh, don't, don't tell your mom about this. So I said, how old were you when that happened? He said, I was eight. Anybody want to guess how old his son was? Carrying offense holds us into old things. And even though we may not be aware of it, when we carry things with us, maybe things from our childhood or maybe things from yesterday, it has an impact on us. Um, another way that we know that, that we have unforgiveness is that we judge other people. And that's those thoughts and beliefs that we hold on to. Okay. Um, it's that, those are those thoughts that Jim was talking about. Actually, it's our thoughts that create the emotions, that create the behavior. Our thoughts come first. And so our judgments come first, even before our feelings. And um, there's a, a favorite scripture of mine that talks about this. Jesus is talking in Luke, and he, he tells them to love, love their enemies. And then he says this in Luke 5, 6, 6, six thank you, <laughs> 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Other versions say, do not be critical instead of condemn. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now comes a very familiar part of the verse that's often taken out of context. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now the last half of that is no doubt a general principle. But in this context that it's written, it's talking about judging and criticizing and forgiving. And... When you feel judgmental towards others, when you have a critical attitude towards others, you have some stuff that you need to forgive. Um, and then he ends with the parable about taking the little tiny speck out of your own eye before you try to get the log out of somebody else's eye. And so... It's all tied, really, to forgiveness. And so um, we can always know when we're judging and condemning others that we need to do some forgiveness. Yeah, and what's really interesting about this passage <clears throat> is that it seems that on some level, this is Jesus speaking, and, and he is essentially telling these people that they do have some control 
in the way that other people treat them. I mean, essentially, what Jesus is saying is that the way that you forgive helps in setting the bar of where people judge and forgive you. I know for myself, oftentimes, I mean, if people do something to me that I don't like and they treat me in a way that I don't like, we feel like it's 100% them and 0% me. I can't control other people, which is, on some sense, is true. But it does appear that the way that we choose to dish out forgiveness or judgment or criticism or slander or malice or anger or any of these things does set the bar in the way that these things are returned to us. And it may not be a direct thing, but in general, that seems to be true. I mean, that, yes. that appears that that's what, that's, true. that's what Jesus is saying here. So uh, in one of our conversations, there's a passage in Ephesians 4 where uh, Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every kind of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So here is my question. Would, would one of you like to speak a little bit on how can we be angry but not sin? And how can we tell when anger has taken an unhealthy form in our soul? Um, Paul was quoting Psalm 4.4. And uh, if you listen to what he says, be angry but do not sin, Pastor Dan talked about uh, this concept uh, in his message. There, there are three concepts of sin. First is an archery term. You're aiming at the target. So there's something you're supposed to be hitting. So in your anger, don't miss the target. Now, what's the target when we're angry? Are there some things that it's appropriate to be angry about? Yes. Sometimes there needs to be the confrontation of something that's unjust. Now, we have to be careful because I've heard lots of people justify really weird things they've done that are inappropriate because they say they have righteous anger. Um, first and foremost, we as individuals must release our own personal anger, and then we can talk about what's unjust or what's wrong. Because in doing so, then we can speak um, not out of our own hurt and not out of our own resentment about how that issue has affected us. <clears throat> A second concept, well, and Paul talks about this when he says, don't slander, don't brawl. If you think about those behaviors, they come out of anger and hurt. And unforgiveness. And they don't accomplish. You are no more free of your anger after you've done those things. And in fact, you're still chained uh, to whoever you're angry with. You're, you're dragging them around with you every day unless you intentionally, on purpose, forgive the specific things that person has done that have been offensive to you. If you don't do that, 
Um, this is another thing I found out is that many, many Christians, we try to forgive, but it doesn't seem to work. We're just as hurt. We're just as angry after we've made that attempt. But what happens is we are not specific enough in our forgiveness. Uh, I forgive mom for being a bad mom. That's not going to work. You're going to be just as hurt when you think about mom after you've made that attempt because you didn't forgive any of the specific behaviors that led you to that conclusion that she was a bad mom. So many of us will look and we'll go, oh my gosh, if I have to forgive every single thing, this is going to take years and years and years. <laughs> Why? Because you've let the sun go down on your anger for weeks, for months, sometimes for years. So at first when we try this, we have to learn, okay, how do I tie my beliefs, my feelings, my emotions, and my behaviors? How do I bring that into how I forgive a person? If we don't, then we're caught up in inappropriate anger. And it either gets projected onto other people or it gets taken out on your own body. When you are angry, uh, I learned this about five very lengthy studies. Literally, it means your anger is going to shorten your life. Um, it is directly cognitive hostility. That's what they call it. It's directly related to mortality. And so you're shortening your life. And in addition, you become one of those nasty people that people don't like being around because you're angry all the time. Do you like being around angry people? You go, aren't, aren't there people you go, oh my gosh, I have to see them today. <laughs> you kind of steel yourself, you know, against their anger, their hostility, their negativity. Um, we, there is a purpose to our anger, but we have to make sure that our anger, first of all, we've released it, we've released our hurt, We've released our judgments, as Valerie was talking about. And we've acknowledged our feelings. And then we, on, ten, on purpose, intentionally forgive that person for what they've done or failed to do. When we do that, an interesting thing will happen within you. You won't think about that thing. It doesn't mean you can't remember it, but it won't have the sting or the hurt and if you still have the sting or hurt, there are probably some other things in regard to that person or that situation that you still need to forgive. I'm tag on that. It could also be that other people have treated you the same way and you haven't forgiven them. And so you, you need to clean it all up, basically. So... Hmm. I'd like to make a, a subtle shift here. So we've, we've kind of begun exposing the fruit and the roots of unforgiveness. So we're going to begin to move here rather quickly into what forgiveness looks like and how eventually how we can forgive. But before we do that, I just want to hit a couple of things and feel free to interject here at any point of what forgiveness is not. Okay. 
And uh, these are really important for justice-oriented people. So if we have some people inevitably in a crowd this size, there's going to be at least a handful of very justice-oriented people who when injustice happens, you get angry, a righteous type of anger. And God designed you to be that way. So this list is specifically for these people. A couple of things that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not minimizing the wrongdoing or excusing the act, okay? Wrong, wrongdoing is wrong. Sin is wrong. Injustice is wrong. Forgiveness is not saying it, it really wasn't that bad. It's okay. What they did is okay. That is not what forgiveness is. Right. Forgiveness, which we'll get to in a minute, is, is essentially anything but that. Um, another thing that forgiveness is not is acting like it didn't happen. Forgiveness is not, if I push this thing away long enough, it won't affect me. <laughs> um, we all know that that's not true, right? Have you seen maybe one or two cases over the years where that's not been the case? Okay. <laughs> Every okay. case. Every case. Okay, yeah. at least. Every all right. Case. Just want to get my facts straight. That's the main thing. <laughs> I just want to make sure my facts are good here. Okay. Uh, and then it is also not reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two separate acts that oftentimes between individuals, both are necessary, but they are not one and the same. Um, as Ms. Val and our talking before this, as she said, forgiveness is a gift given to us by God that we give and we distribute. But, but uh, what did I say? What did you say? Forgiveness is a grace gift, but trust is earned. So reconciliation has to do with mending a breach of trust, which is not just a gift that is given back. That is something that requires time, requires effort, and requires, in a sense, an earning back of the trust. And so for that reason, there will be people who are untrustworthy in your life that you will have to forgive over and over and over again because they seem to do the same things. Now, it, it may be that they don't know how to have a trustworthy relationship. And so maybe you might have to say, well, they don't know how to do that, so I shouldn't expect that from them. That has to be demonstrated. And so having really warm, fuzzy feelings about every person you forgive, that's probably not going to happen. But again, you can at least get to the point where you have neutral feelings. Rather than being angry and resentful and hurt, forgiveness can neutralize those things. Now, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have the really positive feelings about that person. But it does mean that by God's grace, you can care about them. Yes. And love them with his love that doesn't necessarily mean you become very close with them again but God's love through you can be expressed to them that is wonderful and I think that will prove very helpful uh, so very briefly can one of you just give us a definition a working definition for what is forgiveness Forgiveness is, well, 
actually, you know, Dan gave a very good definition when he preached on the word. He used a phiom. Never mind. I can't pronounce that one, but aphesis. <laughs> aphesis. Yeah. He'll be but, proud of you for trying. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it means to release, to um, pardon, to for it to be as if we had never sinned. If, when we think of in his case, he was talking about God forgiving us. But it's this, when we give it, it means the same thing. And so we release them, and we also are releasing us in the process. And um, help me out here. So when, <laughs> when we do this, again, we have to do it one event at a time. It's like carrying bad debt. Okay, when banks... At the end of every fiscal year, they'll write off debt that they know cannot be repaid. Why? Because it makes them look like they're unsound fiscally if they keep carrying a large amount of bad debt. Now, um, I don't think banks have warm places in their heart where they want to forgive people debt. I, I think I can vouch for the whole system in saying that that's probably accurate. Accurate? <laughs> so the thing is that each little thing that happens or fails to happen that is hurtful to you, that's now a debt that somebody owes you that now you're carrying around with you. So every time you think about them, every time you see them, you think about them that thing or that host of things because we're we're offended by specific things people do that's how we have to forgive we don't get offended in generality you know i just don't like you no there are reasons why i may not like you <laughs> if there are enough reasons then that statement might be true <laughs> but it starts as those individual things that's yeah. correct and so that's how we have to forgive when we realize we're carrying some bad debt. And sometimes we've gotten so used to the weight, we just know we don't like the person. And avoid them. And, yeah, avoid them or be hostile toward them or hostile toward anybody who reminds us of them. That could be their gender. It could be, I'll tell a story here. Um, I think of a, a person I worked with. They had an extremely um, bad view of women. I mean, to the point of being hostile about women in general. That I won't, I won't get into all of the things that he would say. No, that wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> wouldn't be appropriate. Here. We'd have a lot more probably forgiveness work yes. to do. Yeah. Um, but as I got to know him a little better. He, he told me his mom was a prostitute and that his father, uh, what, he was the result of one of those um, sexual relationships. His mom was white, his dad was black. His mom had two other children that were um, girls and he would uh, become extremely angry 
uh, when he would talk about it. And what it, what it boiled down to was that he concluded he had absolutely no value to his mother as a man and no value because he was of mixed race. And um, she had a, a lesbian lover who sexually molested him. So she, he was carrying all of this junk in regard to women, and it would get projected on any woman. Um, and he was an extremely angry young man. Now, it can be something that huge, or it can be something as small as the little kid in the playground when you were in the third grade who shoved you down, and his name was Charlie. And from then on, you hate the name Charlie, and you would never name your child Charlie. <laughs> okay? So, you know, it can be huge, or it can be smaller. Nevertheless, it is still affecting you if you're reacting. And the, the meaning that we give to actions, that's what's disturbing to us. Somebody else might look at the same thing and not, not think it a big deal. But you might look at it and say, it's a huge deal. Forgiveness is something that you do on purpose, intentionally, and it's a decision you make. You don't have to feel good about it. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a choice you must make. And, and when you realize there's something I'm holding against this person, right at that moment, you have a choice to make. Am I going to pick this up and carry it around with me for only God knows how long? Or am I going to forgive it and let go of it before it starts weighing me down and impacts every relationship I have? Man, Did we cover everything? You've covered quite a bit. <clears throat> There's a, a handful of different directions that we can go here. But he, here's what I'd like to do now. Let's, uh, let's begin to move a little more toward the finish line, which I think the finish line is actually a starting point. But how, how can we, once we've identified um, that maybe there are some of these fruits in our life, these negative fruits... But we're not really sure that it's because the name Charlie was the name of the boy in the third grade who right. pushed me down. How can we learn to go from identifying the fruit to identifying the roots and, and finding healing? Well, the best way is to ask God. Um, if we sense that there's stuff going on in us if we genuinely want to know what it is mm -hmm. he will tell us he will show us his Holy Spirit is so faithful to help us know exactly what we need to deal with and we just we need to not only ask who to forgive we need to ask what to forgive and he will help you know. Not only that, but we also sometimes need to say, I've had people that I've been taking through forgiveness, and we start out by making a list of people 
that they need to forgive after asking God who. And they've written down names and they write down a name. And they, I've had one lady say, I don't know anybody by that name. I said, okay, we'll just leave it there. So when we got to that name and she asked God, okay, what do I do with all of the sudden? She remembered exactly who it was. Only God could do that. And, and what I would say is there's some extent to which he's been protecting you. He, he protects people um, from some of those things. And then when it's time and you're ready, he's more than willing to help you know who and what and how to forgive. But you need to address your emotions. You need to address what you believe about that thing that happened. You need to tell God all about it. And then you need to very specifically declare your forgiveness. So that's just kind of a very brief how-to. We have a little short prayer that you can get a hold of that's really great for the day-to-day stuff. Because where, we, where you started is really important. It really needs to be daily. You should ask God every day. And I know we have lots of shoulds and oughts, and oughts. But nevertheless, this one's really important. Every day. Preferably at the end of the day when lots of people have had time and opportunity to offend you. <laughs> and just say, God, use the Lord's Prayer. That's, you know, and when you get to that part of the Lord's Prayer, say, God, is there someone, anyone I've been offended with today? And take care of it that day. Now, the old stuff, that's a process. But you need to start working on that process. Sometimes you might need help. Sometimes you might need a a Christian person to... walk with you through the process, but you need to start cleaning that up, cleaning that out, because all of those things are still filters through which you're seeing what's going on in your world each day. And so um, start, but what I'd like to see from this day on is every one of you be forgivers every day. Every day, just taking care of the day-to-day stuff. And you may find that some of those people that are closest to you, you still, and by the way, it is the people closest to us that have the most opportunity to offend us, um, that, you know, you're, you're keeping track of, you're, you're taking care of those things. And then ask God, how do I go back now and get this stuff cleaned up. We'll be, we will be more than happy to talk to any of you or pray with any of you. But um, anyway. So I want to read a quick short passage from the book of Matthew 18 just to expound on, on her answer here. And I'm going to run through this very quickly until the end just because it's a, a passage that is very familiar, I'm sure, to everyone. And Jesus is talking once again, and he says, if your brother sins against you, Go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens, you will have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Uh, That's not a good thing, by the way. Um, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? When he sins against me, up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Okay, so in that short seven verses, there's like four verses that are quoted all the time, but they're never quoted together. And what I'd like to point out from this passage is that there's essentially no break there between Jesus talking about what it looks like for you as the church, corporate body, to restore a brother who's in sin, and Jesus saying, where two or more of you are there gathered in unity, there I am also. What Jesus is really saying is that when my people come to work toward forgiveness and reconciliation, I will surely be there. That's good. Is that that makes sense that, yeah. that Jesus isn't, I mean, yes, in general, when we two or three or more gather, the presence of the Lord is there. Well, the presence of the Lord is everywhere. But I think what Jesus is specifically saying is that when you are working, working toward reconciliation and toward forgiveness among brothers and sisters in the body, I will definitely be there. I will definitely be there. And then Peter says, well, how many times do we have to do this thing? Like, at what point is, like, we can just get rid? And Jesus says, 70 times 7. This is complete speculation, so don't, I'm not going to write a book on this or anything. But I wonder if what Jesus is saying there is, of course, not only is it time after time after time, don't even try and count to the end, because you won't get to 490 times but seven in, in scripture is a number that refers to completion. That's right. And I wonder if part of what Jesus is saying is that as you are offended and as you forgive, you are each and every time becoming a little bit more like me. That when you, that in a sense, we kind of need to be offended to become like Jesus. That there is something in the human psyche and in us where it is good for us to be offended, to practice forgiveness. Now, I'm not giving you liberty to offend the people around you, at least not on purpose. Look, Or to get offended. Or to get offended, yeah. In life, it will happen. But the, the continual repetitive exercise of, I forgive this person for this thing today... That makes us more like Jesus. Nobody can fight like churches. Okay. That, that's usually the method of church growth, you know. Fight and split and start a new one. Um, that's not good. Um, it doesn't mean that all of our differences will be, that we'll come to the point where we say, Oh, I completely agree with you. I think exactly like you do, and I do exactly what you did. No, doesn't mean that. 
but can we at least, it, our forgiveness doesn't even start, I don't think, by involving the other person. Absolutely not, actually. It starts within us. Yes. It doesn't require the other person to feel sorry about what they did. It doesn't require their repentance. Now, I've heard lots of Christian leaders say, oh yeah, they have to repent. If they don't repent, then you're not obligated to forgive them. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. The Lord's Prayer says, if you don't forgive, guess what? God's going to apply to you the same standard you're applying to other people. It is a requirement. Why? Because God knows it's what we need. He's not doing it out of vindictiveness. He's doing. He's demanding that of us for our own healing. So it's not an option. It's a requirement. And we can find lots of reasons to justify why we're so angry that we don't want to. But if you will do what God asks you to do, he will do in you what you cannot do in yourself. That's right. He can release you. He can release you from utterly unimaginable things from other people's experience. And that goes from people who suffered in the Holocaust to people who have had children murdered. We could go on and on and on. If you will do what God asks of you, he will do in you what you cannot do in yourself. He will it is a requirement. You. He will heal you. Let me say this. Lots of hard things. You know, every single one of you has a story. Every single one of you has a story. And you've had hard things happen to you. Every one of you. And all of those things do need to be forgiven. But what I have found through the years is the person who people find the most difficult to forgive is themselves. And what we're saying about forgiveness today applies as much to you forgiving yourself as it does to forgiving others. Let, let God touch you in that way. He will help you forgive yourself. And sometimes you may also need to forgive him. Not because he needs your forgiveness. Not really even because, you know, he's done something. But it just feels like it to you. He's allowed something. He's, he's let things happen. He's, you don't understand the stuff that other people have done to you. you. And it seems like we need somebody to blame. And so we often take offense with the Lord. And so for your own sake 
and for your relationship with him, you also need to forgive him if there are those things. Um, You will not know his love any deeper than you do right now if you have something to forgive him for. You will only know his love deeper when you forgive him. Then it opens the door. And I have to tell you, in the last 20 years, I have watched this thing grow where it's harder and harder and harder for Christians to let God love them. If that's you, then ask him why. And if there are things that you need to forgive him for, forgive him too. He already knows if you're offended with him, you may as well be honest with him about it. And he's bigger than us. He can take our anger and our hurt and our frustration. One of the scriptures I love the most comes from the book of Hebrews. And it's comparing Jesus to Moses. Comparing the old covenant with the new covenant. And it says this about Jesus. He is not ashamed to be called your brother. He knows uh, all that we carry. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we're capable of, both for good and for evil. And yet he doesn't shirk back. He's not ashamed to be called your brother. No matter what you've done in the past or what you might do in the future the potential for forgiveness is always there and we think what a risk you know would I be willing to give somebody a guarantee that I'll forgive them for everything they do not just in the past but what they're going to do in the future that seems pretty risky to a lot of us God took that risk He just asks you to pass it on. He asks you to become like Him. That's why the Holy Spirit was given to us. So that His life is in us and His kingdom is extended through us in the just everyday things we do. The last thing I'd just like to have you talk about before we uh, have a time of communion and then end up uh, wrapping up our our message is would you mind just talking a little bit about how whether we choose to forgive or we don't that it all comes at a cost the cost just looks different when you hold on to things it costs you something and for most of us um It's a physical cost. If you become a hostile person, it's going to shorten your life. Now, some people, you've met them, I've met them. You ask them if they're angry, they deny it, but you can tell it. 
They suppress their anger. They don't let it show. They don't let it come out. So guess who bears the cost for that? They do. Again, it shortens their life physically. To forgive costs you something. It means you have to write off bad debt. And which is more expensive? Paying the price of not forgiving or paying the price of forgiving? Who carries all that debt around? You do. And it affects every relationship you have with your friends, with your children, with your partner, with your friends, with strangers who are driving in a way that you don't think they should. It all gets projected outwards. And there's a price to that. I think the price is much more tolerable to just choose to let it go. To ask God to assist you in that process. You will pay a price. You just have to decide what price you're going to pay. Thank you guys so much for uh, sharing of your experiences and of your wisdom and what I believe uh, was what the Lord had in store for this morning. So as a, as a body, what I'd like us to do before we move any further is just to take a moment while Sarah plays and it'll just otherwise be silent aside from her where we just allow the Lord a moment of quiet to speak something to us and then we will move forward. We're, we're going to take it slow. We're not going to go too much longer, but we're just going to take a couple of minutes here and allow the Lord in the, in the sacredness of this moment to put his finger where he wants to put it. So... Lord, we thank you for the gift of forgiveness. That this is a gift that is so counter-cultural. It is against the common thinking, the common way that man has acted throughout history. But it is truly a gift. It is a gift of freedom that we sang about and talked about earlier in this service. And we, we ask, God, that, that there would be seeds planted in these moments and that we would never forget this message that when we hear that word it would ring true in a different way for us and Lord we also just stop and we say thank you for choosing before we were even born to forgive us while also giving us freedom what a great, great, great gift.